0: Go down and you found yourself surrounded Astounded by the veteran crew that you discounted But we're back for our piece of this game And we remain on a mission to increase the recognition of the name That you saw on the marquee when you walked in the building to the show Thought you bought your
1: potholes but we feel them It's just one of our tricks We're in the mix like trail The mic in my hand becomes a molotov Cocktail igniting your vicinity From now till infinity, burning it
0: down We building back from the ground up Jay vigilantes are back on a roundup. up We're trying to reach the f-
1: Hi, and welcome to another exciting episode of Magic in the Middle of Nowhere. I am Travis D. Jones, and I'm kind of, uh, I don't know. Feeling very mellow and uh not very full of energy like I normally am. So I'm going to count on my co-host here to pick me up tonight. Let's start with Chris. What is up, Chris? Oh, nothing. What's happening?
2: <laughs>
1: oh, man, you did a great job of picking me up there. All mm-hmm. right,
2: Robert. What's up, Robert? Hey, how's it going? All right, there we go.
1: That's a little peppier. Oh, Jesus, you guys... Dragon ass, you gotta pick it up Alright, let's do a good show for the people here So, this is our 8th uh, episode And first one back from uh when we had Robert the Beanie on the show Which was, it was nice to have him But we're back to the core group now And uh, ready to rock your faces So, let's get into the news here folks What, what do you say? First, uh, since we've talked, there have been quite a few events that have gone on, the biggest of which being the Magic Weekend in Paris. Pretty huge weekend, and let me just uh, maybe look up some some deck lists here from the standard tournament, the standard portion of the the tournaments, of the Pro Tour, I guess you would say. And see what we have. The winner was a blue-white control deck. I believe it was the KAGO variant. And this was kind of a coming-out party for the new form of blue-white control that throws down uh, Squadron Hawks, just little flyers early, and then hooks them up with the Sword of Body of Mind or Sword and Feast and Famine that it fetches up with Stoneforge Mystics. Basically, is a little bit more aggressive for a... Uh, control deck. I thought it was uh, really interesting. It adds a, uh, a new element to blue-white control. And since it, it won the Pro Tour, obviously it's uh, kind of a force to be reckoned with. Uh, what do you think, Robert? You got any takes on the, the new Cargo variant?
2: I think it's a crazy good deck. Uh, it plays out like a fish deck. I mean, you're never really tapped out. You still get to play stuff. And you just do to get the control of the opponent's turn. It's it's really good. I like it a lot.
1: Alright, cool. Um, you know, we had the usual suspects. Um, we had people playing a lot of Valakut, a lot of blue-white control. Um, but you also had the new uh, Tezzeret decks. And, you know, I guess the, the most famous... Uh, you know, Tesseract decks that they had there were piloted by Patrick Chapin and Matignon. <laughs> I still can't pronounce his name very well, but uh, the, the Frenchman who came in second place for the player of the year race. Uh, he also won Worlds. Oh, yes, and he won Worlds. I just uh, keep thinking about that Brad Nelson matchup. Pretty, pretty epic battle there. You definitely took a look at the deck, Robert, and you you kind of got your Tezzerets, and you've uh, been playing with Tezzeret a bit yourself, so tell us a bit about the deck, how it plays, what do you, and what you like about
2: it. Well, the build that I decided to play is a little different than Chapin's deck. Uh, it does not use red at all. Uh, it's basically the deck that uh, Martin used uh, from, I guess, the Czech Republic or something like that. Uh, he built it he went five zero, and then kind of washed out in the uh, draft which is weird for him but i like that deck a lot better it uses a code with a forge master and you can just do crazy crazy things with that card like i mean if, if you untap with that card and you have the artifacts to sacrifice which you usually do you've probably won the game it, it's that simple
1: uh yeah, Coldotha Forgemaster Forge Master is definitely looking pretty sweet. Um I know that in the Star City uh Legacy Open in Indianapolis, Indianapolis recently, the deck that came in second place was uh, a deck that featured four Kaldrath Forgemaster Forge Master and was trying to abuse that. So um you know, that card is seeing play in Legacy and in Standard and who knows maybe even in, in Extended. So I think uh, pick up some Forge Masters if you haven't already, because I think you can still get them for a pretty decent price. And I think the ability to tutor up uh, artifacts in this environment is very powerful indeed.
2: It is. I would definitely pick up a playset. Uh, I've been playing around with that card for a long time. I had it in my uh, Mind Slaver deck that we covered a few shows back, but uh, it's pretty sweet when you like ratchet bomb there. Squadron Hawk or something like that at the end of their turns, so they have no blockers. You knew tutor up a uh, Blade Steel and just kill them. Oh yes.
1: Okay. So and then back to the Tezzeret deck though. Uh, so you didn't you didn't agree with the splash uh, the splash of red for Slagstorms and, and Pyroclasms or what?
2: That might be the right play. I'm not sure yet, but I just I didn't like the splash of red. It it seemed kind of weak. Me, um, still not sure on the aggro matchup how it's going to fire now that there's no red in it, but yeah, I think it's still pretty good.
1: Okay, yeah, well, I've been playing a lot of Coldotha uh, Red recently, and I know that Pyroclasm and Slagstorm are definitely whores, and I fucking hate them. So uh, <laughs> I could I could see where those um, cheap board sweepers are good against a lot of different aggro decks, not just. Cold oath the red, but you know you're, you got your tempered steel decks, which I suppose um, a lot of cards are dead to or Maybe if you have it, they have a tempered steel down, not so much to uh, uh, pyroclasm. Uh, yeah.
2: But the way I decided to do it was take out red, get a more solid mana base, be able to throw tech edges in the main, against Velikut, and uh, went with uh, three Black Sun Zenith and three of uh, the Ratchet Bombs main. So, I mean, I still have to have game and still do have sweepers, so it's pretty good.
1: Yeah, well, that's true. You might you definitely don't even need red in order to sweep the board of their little, uh, you know, zero-costed creatures or uh, just a, their little one ones. It's no problem. Well, looking at some more standard results recently. There was uh, a few. TCGplayer.com tournaments that have gone on since our last podcast. One in Orlando, Florida. The top two decks that, well, Valakut took that one with a Boris deck in second place. An interesting deck there uh, is a, a deck called Blue Pool. And let me see here. It basically is a Grand Architect deck. It uses a lot of little blue creatures. Uh, Augury Owl, Kraken, Hatchling... But the most interesting thing here is Knowledge Pull, which is that card that uh when it comes into play, you Im- you imprint by um exiling the top three cards of, uh, or each player exiles the top three cards of his or her library, and then whenever a player casts a spell from his or her hand, that player exiles it. If the player does, he or she may cast another non-land card exiled with Knowledge Pull without paying that card's mana cost. Which is interesting because you so then you play the knowledge pool. Each player puts three you know exiles the top three cards of their library, and then basically you can just pay play any little spell, um, play a preordain or something like that, and then you can cast any of the exiled cards for that one blue mana. It's pretty sweet, you know, considering what some people have in their decks. You can be casting some some big fatties for very cheap, but it works both ways, so it's uh. It's very interesting to see that this card is actually played and it f- finished in the top 8 of a tournament recently. Actually, it was in the top 4, so um, I think there's a lot of, you know, possibilities there. Um, let me see. There's also one uh tcgplayer.com event in Brooklyn, New York. Um, the top two decks were a uh both blue white control decks. An interesting deck there, third place was a uh tempered Steel, a Standard Tempered Steel, which is definitely, I'm a big aggro guy, so that would be something I was interested in. I've also heard it called Brown Aggro. Just play a whole lot of cheap artifacts, artifact dudes, and then play your Tempered Steel, plus two, plus two to your army, and swing in for the win. Let me see any other interesting results here. Cambridge, the winner of that tournament was a black, blue, green control deck, so a bug control um, featuring the likes of Frost Titan, Grave Titan, Avengers, Zendikar, Lotus Cobra, and Oracle of Moldiah to ramp up a lot like a rug deck. And Is there
2: Primeval Titan in that deck?
1: No Primeval Titan. Frost and Grave. That's
2: kind of weird. There's Frost and Grave, and it's a ramp deck,
1: but no yep, Primeval Yeah, and Titan. there's green in it. <laughs> but no Primeval Titan Well then I guess they figured You know that's more of a, a Valakut thing Just trying to get your Valakuts into play they're, they're just trying to get basic lands into play So they do it with Lotus Cobra Oracle Moldiah Explore Yeah that's pretty much it you can Run your Jace the Mind Sculptors They got some counterspells in there And just kill off with fatties uh, So yeah that's cool Came in first Boris came in second And two go decks in third and fourth call go all over the place and then there was one last tcgplayer.com event in daytona beach call go won that one boros came in second boros seems like it's coming in second in like every tournament (laughs) every standard tournament it's crazy so boros deck is powerful it just doesn't seem to be able the people piloting the deck doesn't don't seem to be able to uh you know get it over the hump and win the damn thing
2: it's definitely a good deck. It's real fast and aggressive, and it's a pretty slow metagame right now, so I mean, it is well positioned. It yeah. Was, I guess just, you know, people out drawing it. You know, but here's the who draws here, the answers wins.
1: Here's the thing I like about Boris, is that it doesn't rely on playing, like, an army of small creatures right off the bat. I mean, it can do that, but it, it doesn't have to. It can get there with just one or two creatures on the board. So if you want to, you suspect your, your opponent is playing board sweepers. You can just play your, your, you know, couple guys early in the game, try to get there by beefing them up with, uh, the land landfall abilities and then, uh, swing in with them. But you do, you can hold your hero of Oxid Ridge and things like that in order to, you know, hit them hard after the board is cleared and mirroring crusader, um, yeah, I don't know. It's pretty cool. Overall, great deck. Um, it's versatile. Definitely less narrow than, um, some of the other faster decks like, uh, Cold Oath of Re- uh, Red. Yeah, if you haven't already, maybe you, and you like aggro, te- try out some uh, Boros. You might like that. Make sure you get your adventuring gears. The the pricey card to get in there that I've been having trouble uh, trading for recently is uh, Stoneforge Mystic because the value of that card just keeps going up and up and up, and probably will continue to do, to do so. Oh, I just wanted to mention that I've finally decided where I want, am going to be going to play some Magic tournaments here um, in March. There are a couple PTQs, the first being in Pittsburgh. Uh, That's the first weekend. The next weekend, there's actually – I could either go to Columbus, Ohio, or I found out there's another one the same weekend in Richmond, Virginia. So I haven't decided which one I would want to go to yet. But uh, if somebody wants to shoot me an email making a case for which area is better, where I should come, hit me up. I would like the the lowdown. I guess uh, the Richmond one is going to be very close to, like, Star City Games, and uh, it might even be, like, put on by Star City Games. I'm not sure. That would be cool, I suppose. We have a couple of spoilers already for the third set uh, in the the Scars of Mirrodin block. This is, you know, they always have, like, a couple uh, spoilers, and then it'll actually be a pretty long time, we know, until we get some more. But we could talk about these while they're out first of which is called Suture Priest. Listen up to this. It costs one white and one. It's a cleric. It's a one-one. Whenever another creature enters the battlefield under your control, you may gain one life. Whenever a creature enters the battlefield under an opponent's control, you may have that player lose one life. Impressions on that? Chris, does this card seem familiar at all to you?
0: Yeah, it's sort of
1: like a soul warden, but but yeah, except it could kill guys rather than just save your ass.
0: That would be awesome in that Bouncing Bitch Lap deck.
1: Totally. Uh, Gain your life and then just watch them try to play creatures and kill themselves. It's interesting to me that this guy is strictly white. I guess it's because it might be kind of a hint at uh, New Phyrexia being the next set in that it's a white creature, but it has kind of a black ability on it. Whenever I look at this card, it kind of makes me think it should be like one... White and one black should be the cause, like it should be a gold card, multicolored card. But no, it's a white card that uh, is causing your opponents to lose life when they play creatures. Uh, what do you think, Robert?
2: Does this mean that that Soul Sisters deck is going to come back?
1: You know what, it probably will. This card's pretty sweet, and th- that's exactly what that deck needed, was two well, two different cards, so you could get eight, eight of that life gain effect in it. So, wouldn't surprise me if you saw it come back. Obviously, this guy's one turn slower than a Soul Warden, so it could take a little longer, but uh, it'll be viable, I suppose. Um, The next card is Pristine Talisman. It costs three, just three colorless. It's an artifact, and it says, Tap it to add one colorless mana to your mana pool. You gain one life. And clearly, this is a throwback to the Talismans um, that were in... Uh, the first mirrored in block and they um, I forgot if they cost two or three but you could then tap them to add either you know one mana of either of an allied color so like Talisman of Dominance was one black or one blue and then they had one for you know green white green red all that what do you guys any impressions on this it's kind of a kind of a pretty vanilla kind of boring card what do you think
2: maybe a little slow
1: yeah, you know, could be. Yeah, <laughs> well, sort of it, boring. Well, what I th- I think that this is setting up like kind of like there are counterpart cards. Like in you know just an example in in uh, and Besieged, you had Peace Strider and Peer Strider. Um, I could see another talisman coming down that was like three colorless for an artifact that was like the evil talisman and you could tap it to add one mana of any color to your mana pool but you lose one life. So it's a, but I, I think that one would obviously be like a rare because it would be kind of like a City of Brass talisman. Uh, so get it, you know, one mana of any color and you lose a life. I don't know, any any speculation on that, guys? Nope. No, nope. No idea. I, I, don't,
2: I don't think there'll be anything like that.
1: Oh, that sounds like a, a bet waiting to happen. Well, <laughs> I wouldn't bet on it, but I I wouldn't be surprised. It definitely kind of would fit the themes of what they've been trying to do lately with the, these sets. Um,
2: well, what do you think this set's going to be? For right now, I'm going to call it New Phyrexia. I don't know. I wouldn't,
1: I, I, I'm kind of predicting that I'm thinking they're going to come out of nowhere with some... <laughs> it's going to be like the blue set. It'll be like new Vidalka or whatever. <laughs> you yeah, have the Vidalkans taken over because uh, everyone's thinking, oh, it's going to be this side or the other side. Well, what about that third entity that's kind of been playing in the middle of the whole time? What if they rise up and just throw everyone for a loop? Mm-hmm. Wouldn't that be crazy? Wizards is playing a trick on
2: us. Yeah, the likelihood of that is about, okay, if they do that, then they'll reprint jason that's it (laughs) no way uh that's my point
1: (laughs) but uh chris it'd be kind of like when the insane clown posse dropped uh, the six jokers card and you know they always say they're so wicked and shit but then at the end they say that the dark carnival is god and and (laughs) they're like we are sorry if we tricked you (laughs) that's that's kind of what i'm thinking is going to happen and then everyone's gonna hate. Uh, you know, stop stop playing Magic. Like uh, so many people stopped listening to ICP at that point.
2: <laughs> well, <laughs> you know what they should do. They should reprint like all the Homelands cards.
1: Oh God, that would be horrible. <laughs> <laughs> Anything else in the news here? Well, great news. Oh yeah, what's up, Chris? What news you got? I just recently found out that I'm gonna be a dad. Hey, Chris. Knocked up his old lady. Way well. to go, Chris. Way to go. <laughs> Thank you.
2: Congratulations. Congrats.
1: <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> so he wasn't. He's not shooting blanks after all, Robert.
2: <laughs> I guess not.
1: <laughs> all right. Cool. Well, uh, let us know how everything goes with that. I guess we, we got like nine months till the till that bomb goes off, huh? To uh, around
0: October, early October.
1: Early October, okay. I thought you, I thought you would be shooting for like All Hallows Eve. <laughs>
0: well, twenty days.
1: <laughs> Close enough. Maybe, maybe you'll get lucky. It'll be like a long, a long pregnancy. I mean, <laughs> yeah. All right. And I guess uh, there was a Grand Prix in Denver, but uh, it was there's not really much constructed news out of there because it was all um, draft, wasn't it? Or draft or sealed. I'm not sure.
2: It's something crazy. Who knows?
1: <laughs> Alright. So let's uh move on to old deck of the week and I just wanted to talk about this week uh reanimator deck. And for any of you newer players, if you wanted to get into Legacy, you could probably build a Reanimator deck, and it's not—it's not an incredibly um, difficult or expensive deck to make. I'd say you basically just need to get um, some Tombs, which are that might be one of the pricier cards for the deck, other than like the mana base, but that. Is one black, and you search your deck for a card and for a creature card, and put it in your graveyard. And then after that, there's any number of good uh, reanimator spells in order to get that creature from from your graveyard into play. Um, there's Exume, which costs one black and one. It's a sorcery, and you can each player returns a creature card from their graveyard to your hand. But obviously, it's a se- if it's the second turn, they probably haven't got any creatures in their graveyard yet. You can play Reanimate, which is a one uh, sorcery that costs one black mana, and you can uh, return target creature from uh, your graveyard to play, or is it a graveyard to play even? I can't remember. Um, But you lose life equal to its converted mana cost. But, you know, if you cast it on the second turn, or even the first turn, if you have some sort of... uh, you know, mana acceleration first turn, then who gives a crap? You're probably going to start stomping them pretty quickly, and it would definitely be worth it to sacrifice that life. Then you even have uh, Animate Dead, which is a creature enchantment that goes on a creature in a graveyard, it puts it into play, and the creature gets minus one, minus zero, but, you know, even there are so many fatties out there that uh, minus one, minus zero probably isn't going to make a huge difference. And there's any number of creatures that you can play in your deck In order to um, really abuse these cards, you're looking for giant creatures that are tough to kill, um, or have some you know amazing effect that can halt your opponent's progress. And obviously, you're not going to use things like Emrakul or any of the Colossus, uh, new Colossus, just because they can't go into your graveyard or they get shuffled back in. Well, guys, what are some of your favorite giant creatures to put into play, Reanimator style, and mess people
2: over? Iona, Shield of America. Uh Yes,
1: Iona is a very popular one because you can um, just say whatever color of deck they're playing or whatever main color you're afraid of in their deck, and they're not going to be able to play any spells of that color. And on top of that, you have a, I think it's a 7-7 seven, seven flyer, or is he bigger? Is she bigger than that? Uh,
2: it's 7-7. Seven, seven.
1: Yeah, 7-7 seven, seven flyer in play. So, you know, three turn clock on the first or second turn, good luck. <laughs> Chris, any any giant beefy beaters you like?
0: Hmm, I'm
1: trying to think.
0: I normally don't play with big guys. There's one on that magic game on Xbox that I like, and I can't remember what it was.
2: What? What you're saying is you usually like them small. Ah, yeah. I guess so.
1: <laughs> yeah, back in the day, I was always using silly things, just whatever big creatures were around, like... Um, Thorn Elemental, which is basically a seven-seven unblockable, or yeah, any of the Krakens, because they were you know big unblockable creatures. There was some other dude that was like a seven-seven, and the, or Verdant Force, because he would put like one ones into play during each upkeep, which were nice to have those blockers around. But uh, now
2: the Stormtide Leviathan, I believe it is. Uh, one puts a, like taps a whole
1: bunch of stuff.
2: No, this one makes, like, every land an island or something like that.
1: Ooh, that would be tough to overcome. Yeah. Um. Yep, yeah, and there's some other popular targets right now. You got uh, Blazing Archon, which is a 5-6 flyer. It's a big white creature, Um. and it just <laughs> says on it, Creatures cannot attack you. So... That would kind of halt your opponent's progress if they were trying to, you know, kill you with a creature-based strategy. Um, Also, people like Inkwell Leviathan, because it's really hard to kill once it gets in play. It's a 7-11 Island Walk Trample, and it has Shroud, so they can't target it with anything. Um, You got Platinum Empyreon and Platinum Angel, which, you know, Platinum Empyreon, your life total can't change. It's an 8-8 um platinum angel, you know, it's only a four four flyer, but it says you can't lose the game. So uh that's pretty sweet. Uh you got your Sphinx of Steel Wind, which is a six six flying, first strike, vigilance, lifelink, protection from red and green. So <laughs> that one's pretty good. Um yeah, like you said, Storm Tide Le- Leviathan all lands or islands in addition to their li- other types. It's an 8-8 island walk, and creatures without flying or island walk can't attack. So basically he's the only guy that can attack whenever he comes into play. I like chroma uh, She's pretty cool. And, you know, she's a 6-6 uh, flyer with flying trample haste and protection from red, protection from black. She might have first strike too. I can't remember. She probably does. <laughs> and Terastodon also a good one, because you can, whenever it's a 9-9, and when it comes into play, you can destroy up to three permanents, um, which is definitely, or non-creature permanents, which can be very helpful, especially in Legacy, where there's so many good artifacts and things like that out there. The only drawback is um, that for each permanent you destroy, its controller gets to put a 3-3 green elephant creature token onto the battlefield. So if you destroy your opponent's stuff, um, you're they're gonna have blockers against your Trascidon. But your other option is you can just destroy your own stuff, and not only will you have your nine nine, you'll have a bunch of three threes on the board, and you know y- you got them into play just by casting a you know one or two mana cost spell. And the good thing about all these cards that uh, we're talking about is they're all legal. I think uh, for. A- a while, I think Intune was banned in Legacy or something like that. Or maybe I'm thinking of Extended, but uh, I believe it was banned in some format. But uh, no, definitely good cards. Um, I think a lot of the the decks, the Reanimator decks these days, have counter spells in them. Um, you know, they go with the days and Force of Will combo in order to you know keep any shenanigans their opponents might have at bay. So uh, all around a very solid deck, pretty easy to build. Just put your favorite fatties in and really you could just play a casual version of this deck without all the expensive, um, you know, force of wills and even, even not in tombs, you could use, um, dark ritual into buried alive, buried alive costs three, but you get to put three creature cards from your graveyard into your library. So the, you know, that's pretty cool. I used to use that one. Um, uh, I think all the, you know, the cards I mentioned, Animate Dead, Exhum, and Reanimate are all relatively uh, cheap. They're all commons and uncommons, and then you probably would want to get some careful studies, too, because if, you know, you have a good fatty in your opening hand, you can discard it first turn. It's good. They're all very good stuff. It's a pretty reliable deck, so...
2: I wonder if they use Intuition.
1: (laughs) I mean, I I imagine you could definitely do it with Intuition because, you know, you get three creatures and uh, they don't even have to be the same one. But your opponents get to say, well, I would least like to see this creature out of the three you presented to me come into play. So that one will be going into your hand. Not that it really matters because there's a lot of ways to discard cards in your hand anyway. So, yeah, Intuition would definitely be a good card, even though that one is really expensive, too. Um, so yeah, build reanimator. It's pretty fun. I can say I I built some pretty suboptimal reanimator decks in my time and they were fun even though I wasn't, you know, they weren't uh, the best. Um, alright, and for new deck of the week, we would like to talk about Black Red Control kind of a rogue strategy um, not one of the contenders in the metagame currently but I think Robert and I both had uh, are thinking that for the metagame right now it's a good choice um, Robert why do you think so?
2: I think it has a lot of you know, hard to deal with uh, problems for the current decks um, the only thing that I have had a problem with in testing was against Valakut and I'm sure that can be fixed some way
1: yeah, Valakut is definitely the tough matchup for that deck, Um but the, the version I'm running has four Tectonic, Tech Edges. Edge. Yeah. yeah, Tectonic Edge in the main, and then in the sideboard, I'm even running four Goblin Ruin Blasters just to make sure I can destroy as many, uh, uh you know, whatever Valakuts they have coming into play. I'll, I should have a card, uh, able to take care of it. But, uh, it's definitely, it's definitely hard to, hard to stop, you know. Um, without without counter magic it's it can be difficult, but uh, I think discard is the key to the strategy. Um, you get your you know your early duresses and in inquisition of Kozaleks to knock out their early um, mana ramp. Uh, you can grab a harrow, grab a colony hard expedition, grab a uh, um, what's that wall overgrown battlement. so you can get those out of their you know one or two of those out of their hand early. And really get the control going and then um you know out of the sideboard in my build i like to bring in mind Rod, just because after they cast a few spells um they're gonna probably just trying to be building up to a big primeval titan and if you can catch them with that being one of the like the last two cards in their hand and make them pitch it it's pretty devastating i think
2: yeah the approach i went with uh Black Red Control was uh, basically a bunch of sweepers and like slag storm, pyroclasm, black sun zenith, just keeping the board clear until you know, you can finish them off. And also ran now blood gasps because I think blood gasps right now are really good as far as like being really hard to deal with.
1: Well, I know in vampires blood gas are good because you can use them to scry like crazy with Visera um, you can even use silly things like a uh, vampire to make you know that that creature really big, and then just bring it back again. Um, but what what makes you know what's the strategy uh, in thinking that bloodgast is, is good against um you know for the meta game and what what matchups specifically do you think it's
2: good in? It's a recurrent threat. Like if blue control, you know. I'm pretty sure they won't, but if they do mana leak it, you can just play a land and bring it back. You know, if if it dies somehow, like I it doesn't want to waste triggers on it, like it's just it's hard to get rid of because you you're making land drops most of the time and it just keeps coming back and just keeps getting in there.
1: Yep, you know it it does uh, doesn't survive a day of judgment, but it does live to tell the tale. So yeah, I think you're right. Blood gas is pretty uh, pretty good. And then, I mean, what uh, what other aspects of your black-red control can you talk about? What card selections or what card choices are you using?
2: Well, it's said that uh, Inferno Titan would be a decent finisher. Um, I, I kind of like the fact that I can spread up some damage and, you know, kind of manipulate it and use it, I don't know, to kill multiple creatures or to kill Planeswalker or just dome them. Like, I, I think it's actually... Uh, pretty good card.
1: All right. Well, let me talk about my build of this deck a little bit. Um, one of the reasons I think Black is so uh, clutch right now, uh, especially for people like me who don't shell out for the money for the Jace of the Mind Sculptors, but you want to be able to compete with them, you pretty much got to run Vampire Hexmage because that, that thing you know can kill you know it creates problems for a lot of different uh, cards especially planeswalkers. it's one of the only things that really takes them out no matter what color it is um and then I, I like to main deck ratchet bombs in mine you know obviously that's for the the aggro matchups so you you have that you can also take out planeswalkers with that later on in the game if you want um I like to, you know, splash a few, um, lightning bolts in there. That's really the only red in my main deck. I got obviously more in the sideboard, but in the main, that's it. Um, I also have a Mimic Vat engine going on in my deck. I got three Mimic Vats in there. Um, it's nice to recur a Vampire Hex Mage over and over again. Um, I got a couple skin renders in there that can take out, um, you know, some, some smaller dudes or make a big dude, you know, make a 6 6 Titan into a 3 3 and they're not so bad anymore. Um, I am also running, you know, th- four Gatekeeper of Malakir, um, keep creatures in, in under control. I am running four Nantuko Shades. I like those because they can be early aggressive beats that keep your opponent on their toes. But if you draw one later in the game, it's still, you know, as many, as many lands as you probably haven't played at that point. It's, it's a giant beater for you. Um, all for the cost of two mana. I think it's a pretty versatile card. But then I do have some larger finishers in one Grave Titan and three Worm Coil Engines. So I went with the, some of the other Titans in the, in the colors. And, uh, those are definitely both good things to, to have fall onto your Mimic Vat too, just in case, uh, they get killed off. So, you, you know, you cast your, your, uh, 6-6. Six, six, a life lifelinker with haste every turn and then if, if uh if you if it dies on a at the end of a turn just from the mimic vat saying, you know, the token lease play, you don't get your your little three three tokens, but if for s- some reason they would were to kill your worm coil engine that's coming off a of mimic vat, I believe it does still hit the graveyard. So you would still get your three threes out of it. Little combo action there. And uh yeah that's pretty much the build. Uh I'll post uh, link to my build um, in the show notes. I put it up on a website called mtgvault.com I think Chris uh, showed to me initially where you can basically build your build some magic decks and share them with people online. What do you think of that site, like, Chris? You, you showed, showed it to me, but have you been using it much lately? What do you like about that?
0: I haven't used it much lately, but I thought it was pretty cool because it makes your deck public and there's so many other players. <laughs> Then they'll comment on your deck and stuff. And most, you know, there's always a troll out there that's going to make you look stupid, but...
1: Oh, I love trolling people's decks on there. Just being like, this deck sucks.
0: Yeah. This
1: is (laughs) shitty.
0: (laughs) Some people actually try to give you, like, different tips for cards you might want to use and such
1: yeah that's true you know some people go very in depth back and forth with uh, the people who post on there and uh, try to develop their decks and they can change it on the fly so what you're looking at um, whenever you look at each deck may not be initially what they had posted they might have made some changes to based on the discussion in the comments below the deck so check that site out I have an idea now.
2: You right. go on there and go to every casual deck that's blue and make a suggestion of Jason the Mindsculptor <laughs> times four.
1: Oh, yeah, that would be fun. <laughs> I, pu- I put a uh, a deck on there called the Seven Card Sucker Punch, which is actually an eight-card deck, which just has a like first-turn kill <laughs> built into it that features Black Lotus. Some kid was freaking out. Are you Bill Gates?
0: <laughs> I remember that. Yeah,
1: but uh yeah, pretty pretty cool site. So check out MTV Vault, uh, MTGVault.com. Don't check out MTV Vault. That probably sucks. There's probably no music there. Hmm. <laughs> Anything else to say about Black Red Control there, uh, Robert?
2: Uh, no, I mean I, I like the Hexmage too, but I also like you know Bloodgast, and I do like the Nighthawks as well. Nighthawks are pretty good right
1: now. Yeah, nighthawks are pretty crucial, and they're they're good on a on a mimic Vat as well. But uh, I didn't find any room for them in my deck, nor did I put uh, any black sun zenith in there yet. But I imagine that will probably find its way home once I manage to trade for, or find its way to the deck once I manage to trade for one or two. All right, so there you have it, new deck of the week. Try out our black red control deck. Um, store of the week for this week, we actually did get somebody um to send us in a store and it was it's it's our it's our show super fan sarkin mad he well let me see what he said he sent it to me on uh twitter here he said uh, he's got a store store for us it's called hobby horse in taylorville illinois it actually has product and singles Unlike his local comic store, he says it's worth the 45-minute drive. Yeah, so that's I think that's a good uh, indicator of whether your store, if you own a store, is, is uh, a good one or not. Are, are there people that are driving about an hour to get there? Because if there's not, then, you know, you're probably not doing something right. Because I think every decent store that I've been to, I've driven an hour to get there. And, uh, you know, I can drive an hour in any direction and get to probably a different store. But there's only one or two that I will, you know, try out. So, yeah, check that out. Um, Let me see. He says uh, they have great prices and run events. So check them out. And he gave me their website. And I went to check it out and uh, looked at some of their upcoming events here. It looks like they are, um, you know, they do their Friday Night Magic um, on Saturday. They have some legacy extended tournaments. So they got all different formats for people, and they definitely do draft and sealed. They basically have events going, you know, several times a week. So that's, that's definitely the kind of store I would like. And they have fun, different kind of things. Like it says uh, for St. Patrick's Day, they're going to have a St. Patrick's Day draft, all green cards and the prize is a hundred dollars, so that's kind of weird. <laughs> mm-hmm. um, I don't, I don't know who supplies the cards for that. That uh, all the cards are green, but uh, yeah, should, should sounds like it would be interesting. And they have a standard event coming up with um, a deck swap. So basically, it sounds it says standard deck with no rares. So basically, you build a standard deck with no rares, and you, and the players in the tournament are going to probably register the deck and then give it away, or well, not give it away, but basically swap it with somebody for the tournament. And So you got to basically try to win uh, the tournament with a deck that somebody else has made for you, which is probably going to suck, because obviously they don't want you to win the tournament with, with the deck that they have prepared, so that's pretty fun. Step one, four steel golems. Oh, that's probably a little too good. That sounds like a lot of fun. And then I was looking at their shop, and whenever you click on the shop, it actually says, if you are a first-time shopper, please read this. I'm going to read it off a little bit here. I have an extensive collection ranging all the way back to Alpha. The list price on these cards is cheaper than you will find anywhere else. For example, he has in parentheses, StarCityGames.com. And hopefully close to eBay prices, and that is the market. Uh, that being said, I, he may often be out of specific cards. This is not a shop or a store where you will always find cards you need. Uh, I do hope it became, becomes the first place you look. Yeah, so he, he definitely has some some cards up there. Let me see what he has for sale right now. Like for instance, let's see here, Robert. What do you think? How much does a uh, Bane Slayer uh, Bane Slayer Angel? How much should that be right now? Hmm, I'm gonna say fifteen to twenty. Well, he has one for sale for twelve dollars. How much is a How much is a Force of Will? Uh, I'm gonna say fifty-three. Fifty-three. He has one for sale for forty dollars. It's pretty good prices. How much for a set of From the Vault
2: Relics? Uh, 100. uh, Wait, no. Relics is the... uh, hmm. From the Vault Relics, the one full
1: of broken artifacts.
2: 35.
1: 35? Um, No, this one's worth... uh, Well, he's got two on sale for 75, but I think actually those do go for like 100 bucks. Online. Probably. And he's that got, was, uh, what's Jace the Mind Sculptor right now? Uh, um, 85, 90, maybe 100. Yep, it's up there. He has three o- on sale for 80 bucks. So, it is pretty good. And how about Primeval Titan? How much is that worth? About 40. 40, he's got one on sale for $35. So, wow. this guy doesn't lie he has i mean he doesn't have a huge list of cards but if you go and look he's got some cards that uh, people definitely want and he's got them for cheaper than you're going to find in most other places so um yeah it's definitely a good uh good tip from our good friend sarkin matt on the store it was called hobby horse in taylorville iowa i believe so um thank you so much for that sarkin man So moving on to the next section here, the topic of the week, which is how do how do I know or how do you know when you're ready for tournament play? So basically, we want to outline some tips here for newer players who, you know, you've been playing at your Friday night magics and and you you know people might be saying hey we're going to this star city event this weekend we're going to this ptq this weekend we're going to some you know bigger tournament um do you want to come and and you're thinking to myself well i don't know if i'm ready or not for for that kind of uh competition so um what are some indicators how how you would know and i would say first um you know you're not ready when your deck is your you know your your constructed deck is full of one ofs <laughs> like it, you know you don't even have you know a full play set of some of the staple cards in the set you know if if you're trying to go and you're running like a a blue-black control deck, which you know you don't, you might not have any planeswalkers yet, and then you can only manage to, you know, out of your collection to pull, get wrangle up, you know, two Doom Blades. Then you're probably not ready. What do you, What do you guys think? Anything else, like how you would know you're not ready?
2: If you lose constantly. <laughs> yeah. Um,
1: yeah. Yeah. I suppose that that. Is true if you're really trying hard I mean sometimes some people just play Casual all the time and they don't really Care whether they're winning or losing So much as you know are they playing Their deck or are they having fun playing Like a crazy deck even though they're Expecting to losing but um, whenever they Come into like a real tournament um, You know for prizes and they're Playing like a more serious deck um, Yeah if you're you're not winning Much then uh, You're probably not ready but uh, You've If you'll know you're ready, I'd say, whenever you've won multiple Friday Night Magics, um, drafting and in Constructed, um, then you're probably starting to get ready to move up to that tournament scene. Um, And, you know, part of that is knowing the format. Like, you have to know the metagame. Like, I, today at work, I was just thinking, you know, what is the current metagame? So I I just, you know, got a piece of paper and started writing down um, probably at least 10 different um, deck deck names. And, uh, Robert, I showed that to you a little earlier today. What did you think? you think I was, uh, was a pretty good idea of what the metagame was? Is there anything on there that you didn't think belonged or anything I was missing?
2: Well, yeah, you had a list of pretty much everything you would expect to see at a, a tournament if you were to go you know, probably tomorrow. Um, no, I think the real thing is uh, trying to predict... How many of each deck are going to be there? Like what you know, the percentages of like, or how often you're going to see specific decks? That's when you really know the metagame.
1: Yeah, obviously, um, that's that all comes down to how you how you're going to build your sideboard. And so, you, if you don't know what the metagame is, you don't know what to expect when you get there. You're not going to know what kind of sideboard to to, to make, and and what kind of deck you should be running to begin with. Yeah, so you got to know the metagame, game, and you got to know how to beat it. So that's what—that's why I think uh, Rob, Robert, and I are so big on that. That black red deck in standard right now uh, is because we think that it's appropriate for the metagame, whereas next week it might not be because things might shift completely. And I don't think we're going to keep trying to force a deck that we think, you know, doesn't work. Like right now, I'm, I love Cold Oath of Red, but I'm not going to play it anymore because there's so much of it out there that every deck is a gameplay inside for it and so easily disruptible as, you know, from what I've play tested. There's, there's so many pyroclasm slag storms, black sun zenith ratchet bombs, you know, you name it. There's even stupid little um common sorceries like shri- uh, shrivel and that that white thing that gives all attacking creatures minus 1 minus 1 that just wreck your board so badly that it's not even really worth playing right now until, you know, it falls off the map a little bit and people think it sucks and don't sideboard against it. Then you can catch people off guard.
2: Another thing is like It seems like, uh, people don't try to play around cards and, like, keep tight play. Like, I think someone told me that I'm I'm not allowed at the casual player's table because I play creatures during my second main phase, which I thought was kind of funny. Uh, but yeah, like, know what your second main phase is, that's one thing.
1: Yeah, well, obviously you gotta know the rules, um... You know, if, if anybody is asking a question about, you know, a rules question at the store, hopefully you would have some idea about how to answer it. Um, you know, you got to know all the phases. you got to know about priority. Um, otherwise, it's going to be very awkward for you when your opponents are calling over judges every other uh, turn. So that's true. Um, and I would also say you know you're ready for tournament play you know, on a bigger level, whenever you have choices in what deck you can take. Like, some people, they just have, they, they can build one, they build one deck that's, you know, a contender, that's the net deck they found, and like I said before, it may not be appropriate this week, you know. So you got to have an access to enough cards, whether you're borrowing them off people or you have your own, that you can build multiple decks that are, um... You know, each one being appropriate or, you know, a better choice for a certain, you know, expected metagame. Yeah, and basically, you have to know your strengths and weaknesses. Um, if you don't know what you're bad at or don't know what to watch yourself, you know, what mistakes of your that you usually do to watch for, then you should probably... Not go because if you're expecting to you know to win or or you you know you're the kind of person that beats yourself up for <laughs> for making mistakes. Um, to wait till you're ready. Don't force it. And not to say you can't go to these bigger events and have fun because there's definitely a lot of side drafting and you know just casual playing that goes on at these bigger events.
2: Um, speaking of fun, like if you go there, like people aren't going to be like, oh, you can take that back. It's fine. I mean, <laughs> There's none of that there, and you don't... Oh, we get a free mulligan. I hate when people say that. Maybe no, you don't.
1: Yeah, no. It's not even close. <laughs> or, can, can't you can't drop all your lands at the same time? No, just one turn, dude. Sorry. But, uh, no, that's true. We were just playing, you know, playtesting a little earlier in the, our local store tonight, and I was telling the guy I was playing, Tyler, I was, uh, you know, he, he forgot a trigger on something. And whereas... Whenever you know we're playing casually and it's not for anything, I would, might say you know I might let him do it. I was like he's going to a Star City Games event in D.C. this weekend, and uh, I said, hey man, I'm I'm not I'm gonna try my best to prepare you for this thing, so I'm not gonna let you take anything back. I'm gonna make you you know suffer the mistakes so you remember them. and next time you will not it won't happen again. And then of course the next game he needed. Uh, Needed to cast a primeval or green sun zenith and then a harrow after that to kill me. And he casts his green sun zenith, tapping all of his green mana. And then after he searches his creature, puts a play, I say, Oh, I'm glad you tapped all your green mana so you can't cast that harrow I know you have in your hand. He was like, Oh shit. So, uh, so you know, he, he was playing fast and loose, and that's not the way that you're gonna want to play whenever you're. Uh, in a larger tournament, you got to really be very thoughtful, or else you're going to uh, make yeah. very costly mistakes.
2: Yeah, I, I saw him make a few mistakes, and <laughs> me, just, you know, not thinking. But when you're in, like, a, a situation where it's a tournament, you just be constantly evaluating the poor position, and, like, really pay attention to what lands you tap, and, you know, constantly you know, think, okay... I'm doing this, is there any triggers that I'm missing? Is there any, active abilities that I should be doing this time? You know, before you make your next, next action, you can't be like, oh, you know, cast a spell, play a land for the turn, play a creature. Oh, by the way, this triggered three actions ago or something. No, it's not cool.
1: <laughs> yep, that will not work. You got to approach it almost like a super nerdy, uh, chess player, in that try to be thinking a few, a few turns ahead. And, uh... Not only that, like trying to think a few turns ahead as to what's going to be happening, but, um, so you might catch any error down the line, but you got to, uh, look at the board as from your opponent's point of view. Um, think about the cards that they haven't played. I think a lot of times some mistakes I've made is where I'm focusing on my board too much and what I'm trying to do and not realizing I'm like, you know, if I, it's, if I send all my guys this turn, he's, he doesn't have anything that he can kill me with, not even realizing that he has a man land there, like, I forgot about that man land. Okay, well, I feel dumb, because I could have left the blocker up and not lost when I was at four life, but now he's gonna send his, uh, celestial colonnade at me, and now, now I'm dead, so, not only think ahead as to what you're going to do, but be aware of what your opponent is doing, and what he's going to be trying to do, I think is definitely a good tip. Chris, ha- Do you have any other tips as far as how do you know when you're ready for a tournament or how do you know when you're not ready for a tournament?
0: Well, I know you're not ready if – like I know I wouldn't be ready for a tournament right now because if I play with one of your uh, standard decks, every card you play I have to look at because
1: I don't know any of the (laughs) fucking cards. Well, that's true. Yeah, I know there's some older players who can just grab any le- legacy deck and go to a legacy tournament and probably compete with it, but if if you have to read the cards in a tournament setting <laughs> on the other side of the board, you're most likely not ready. So, yeah, read all the spoilers but if there's a new set coming out if you haven't if you're not going to have a chance to play it before the, your first, you know, event. Um, you, you know if it's a draft or a sealed thing Because it's Like we've said before on the show It's going to be a huge edge Alright anybody else have any any other tips So that's pretty much it for our topic of the week If you guys have any other suggestions out there As far as uh, Maybe even a topic of the week for us to discuss But if you have uh, Any ways when you, uh, That you know you are or are not ready for tournament play Like serious tournament play Let us know So the next uh, section of this podcast is going to be Chris's Corner. This is a section where we get to know a little bit more about our good buddy, Chris. And I promised him this last week whenever we had our guest host on because I think we were talking a lot about uh, we're getting heavy into magic. But we want to keep it a a little more lighthearted here because Chris Chris didn't get to talk a a lot last week. Um, So, Chris, I wanted to let people know a little bit more about you and – what I wanted to discuss with you is uh, you're a huge music fan, correct? Oh, yeah. Okay. So, I mean, what have you been listening to lately? What are some of your favorites?
0: Hmm. What have I been listening to lately? Uh, I have found myself listening recently to a lot more
1: System of a Down. Oh, man. I love System. Yeah, they're awesome. And uh, Robert, System? Kid, What's up? All right, good. (laughs) You can stay on the podcast. Very sweet. (laughs) And, uh,
0: let's see, uh, a band called Porcupine Tree. I like them a lot.
1: What are they like? I've not heard of them. It's,
0: uh, some sort of weird progressive rock. They're pretty awesome. Uh, the album Fear of a Blank Planet is pretty awesome. They've got All all kinds of guest musicians. Um, one of them being like Alex Lifeson from Rush. He had a guest guitar solo in one of those songs. It's pretty, pretty amazing.
1: Badass. And then, uh, so your your favorite all time band is Led Zeppelin, correct?
0: Yes, hands down my favorite band ever.
1: What's what makes Led Zeppelin so great?
0: Oh man, well they're all <laughs> masters of their instruments. Even playing with his vocals, I think
1: I I'm mean, a I, master of my instrument.
0: Yeah, <laughs> and uh, <laughs> I don't know something about your music that
1: I, I think know. music of that era is so high quality that it's it's just sad to listen to music nowadays because nothing even comes close to 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 the way that music was made and the soul and the I don't know just uh the sound of the music is so honest and pure And it's not bullshit auto-tune crap
2: Yeah, it's the totally awesome Computers
1: <laughs> Yeah So, uh, I mean, what You got any other, like, all-time favorite albums By any other bands Or, or anything you want to shout out there?
0: Well, speaking of like Zeppelin Early Zeppelin is amazing One through four There's four albums are S-
1: especially, t- especially two, right?
0: Yeah, Led Zeppelin 2 was the first one. First album I actually ever listened to. Like, I heard albums and heard music, but I never listened to it. Ah. Uh, I listened to Led Zeppelin 2 and it blew my mind. So that album's amazing. And I mentioned Rush. I love, uh, Moving Pictures by Rush. And, uh, Hemispheres. Another Rush album. And, oh man, I go on forever.
1: Pink Floyd. Yeah, you're big into Floyd, I was gonna say. Yeah,
0: I recently fell in love with Animals, which yep. is like often overlooked, but it's an amazing album.
1: It's a great, great album. Listen to uh, the track Sheep on there, listeners, if you haven't uh, heard that Pink Floyd album, Sheep on Animals. Quite a good song, great bass riff.
0: Yes, they're amazing.
1: All right, and uh, so you think Led Zeppelin's the most influential band ever? Uh, rock band at least, yeah. I would say. I mean, so they like the Be- The Beatles can suck a dick. Is that what you're saying? I think they're more influential to rock
0: than the Beatles. Yeah, I mean the Beatles. The Beatles are pretty damn good,
1: but they they were they were influent. Uh, the Beatles were influential to other like pop acts like uh, Britney Spears and In uh, Sync and shit, right? Yeah. Yeah,
0: <laughs> but they're definitely poppy. And also I think they were more. Influential maybe the bands I don't know like Weezer maybe sort of like poppy rock bands
1: pop rock. All right. A- anything else to say about uh, music? Since we're on the subject and you're a huge music fan. No. Not it really.
0: <laughs> no. It better get better.
1: Oh, that's true. It better get better. Music kind of sucks these days. Or maybe All we're right. Just getting old. <laughs> Man, I don't know. <laughs> a lot of the music i was enjoying and, and listening to when i when uh you know like in the 90s um i don't know when some of my favorite bands were coming out like rage and smashing pumpkins and bands like that um my dad really liked those bands and he was you know from that he was born in the 50s or whatever and lived through the hippie days in the 70s and all that and he was into the same kind of bands that we've been talking about like Led Zeppelin and stuff and he really enjoyed that and I think he'll agree that uh music these these days kind of sucks and you know the the commercialism's kind of ruined the whole thing so I don't see how it's going to make a rebound back to its former glory glory but hopefully it does soon and uh, so there's our, our little aside, uh, our non-magic piece of the show for today, and that was Chris's Corner. Uh, thank you f- for that, Chris, and I I think we can all say we feel like we're a little closer to you now.
2: Oh, that's Just, amazing. Uh, if he invite you to his corner, don't go, even if he offers free candy. <laughs>
1: <laughs> oh, man. Even if it's cotton candy?
2: Especially if it's cotton candy. <laughs> cotton candy <laughs> oh. rules.
1: Yeah, cotton candy, don't get wet until it's in your mouth. <laughs> all right, so, um, all right, I guess we're going to wind it down here. We're going to go with the card contest selection. I believe I got an email from our good pal Sarkin Mad, who is the only person who sent us anything this week, which, you know, love having a super fan of the show. He's definitely, uh, keeping up with us, which I appreciate and he actually even sent us a deck this week, but I didn't really want to discuss it. Um, It was very... It was was pretty janky. I know he's listening, and I feel bad for saying it. It was pretty janky, but it was based on that Decimator web card. You know what I'm talking about, Robert?
2: Yeah, it kills you in three different ways. Yeah, but
1: whenever you activate it ten times, it kills you. Card. Hey, for 44
2: mana and ten turns, I mean...
1: Yeah. Yeah. That's, that's that's a clock right there. So <laughs> he oh, he sent us his guess for the card contest and it was Bird Maiden. So yet again somebody guesses a red card. So and he also mentioned that it was there were 1401 or 1407 cards still um, possible with the clues I've given so far. <laughs> so um I don't know, I guess I'll do something to try to really narrow it down this time. And, uh, so we know, uh, what are some of the guys, do you remember what some of the clues I've given so far are? It's legacy legal. Okay. Anything else? Yeah.
0: It's a creature, I believe.
1: Uh, y- yes, I did say it was a creature, that's true. It's really bad. It is really bad. What was the last clue I gave out? It came out in the nineties <laughs> yeah, right, right um yeah, so I think that's uh, but I'll go ahead and since uh, to really narrow it down by like a fifth, I'll go ahead and tell you what color it is. Are you guys excited? I know I am I'm uh. <laughs> It is actually, in actuality, a red card. So everyone's <laughs> been it. Yeah, but it, it is indeed a red card. So there you go. We uh, And then as far as the, the prizes, um, like we said, there's a Grave Titan up for grabs, a, uh, a Mutavolt, uh one of each faction's faction pack, and I just threw in, for fun, a uh, Foils and a Car Island, because um, I think those cards are pretty awesome, or that that's, uh, those lands are awesome, especially the islands, because who doesn't love playing with a nice, shiny, badass island? And I think I heard another podcast recently take a cheap shot at that island. They said, uh, you know, it might not be true, but they were saying something about a prize being an island, and they were, like, laughing about it. But whatever, it's a package, people. Don't focus just on the one card. So... <laughs> Um yeah, so we got that. Um so go ahead and send us you know, send your guesses to us as always, Travis D Jones at travesty Jones on Twitter and uh Tora at Hotmail dot com. Uh hell you could even send your guesses to Chris at Bonsonator. Bonsonator at gmail dot com, right? Yeah. Yeah, and or Robert. where And what's your email, Robert?
2: That's zephes at gmail.com.
1: All right, cool. So hopefully those will be in the show notes, I believe. And that's pretty much it for the week here, guys. Do you guys have anything else that you want to mention or, you know, rehash?
2: That's all I have for today. Uh,
1: all right. Well, let's do our peace outs then. Chris, you got a peace out for us?
0: Uh, Like always, keep it nerdy.
1: Keep it nerdy, y'all. And, uh, Robert. Have a good one. Have a good one, he says. All right. Well, from uh, me, Travesty Jones, I'm just saying peace out to everyone and uh, hope we can... Come, hope I feel a little bit better next week I can come out with a little bit more energy Be a little bit more entertaining I feel like I was uh, dragging us down tonight I'm sorry guys But uh, we'll hit y'all up later And uh, have a good one Peace out This is Major Tom to ground control
0: I'm
2: stepping through the door The stars look
0: very different today.